Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, back in, uh, back in 2019, my family and I took our very first beach vacation with the kids. Now, for those of you that have kids, you know there is no such thing as a vacation with kids. You're just parenting from another location. And we knew that going in, but we were excited about it nonetheless. They get to build sandcastles and all that stuff. So, so we got an Airbnb that was supposed to be steps away from the beach, and we packed up the family. We got there. Actually, this is the, this is the place we stayed, a little uh, one-bedroom place, again, close to the beach, so we were pretty Excited about it. We put um, Anchor, our youngest at the time, in the bedroom with the pack and play. We put Judah in the hallway. They had this little bunk bed thing set up. And then my wife and I uh, took that couch, a pullout couch, and that's where we were going to sleep. Uh, now, that night, we went to a restaurant called The Sandbar, and we had just kind of standard beach food, and the kids were pretty excited about it. We were excited about it. Then we get back to our little place, and we put the kids to bed, and we pull out the bed from the, from the sofa, and you know, it's a, it's a small little place, but we're excited about it, and we get ready to go to bed, and we're happy about the vacation that we're on, until, until we get a text from Catherine's sister, who is also on vacation, only they don't have any kids, and they're on vacation in Italy, and this is the picture that she sends us. And by the way, that looks like it's from a magazine. It's not. There's her luggage right there. That's actually where she was. And as I'm looking at the picture, getting ready to fall asleep, I'm thinking, you know, um, this mattress and the pullout bed is kind of thin. I can feel the bar in my back. And not only that, I mean, this Airbnb looked a lot bigger online. It's kind of small and cramped. We're supposed to be steps away from the beach. I can't hear the waves. I hear my kids screaming, but I don't hear the waves, and I'm getting more and more discontent. This is what happens, right? This is, this is what comparison does. Comparison turns a vacation into an irritation. It turns friends into competitors, and it turns joy into jealousy. And that's why we're talking about comparison today, because we are entering into a season that's supposed to be full of joy. I mean, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? This is a season where we should be excited, yet, yet oftentimes comparison tends to steal that joy, right? And it, and it happens all the time. I mean, it can even happen on Christmas morning. Those of you that have kids, you know this. One of your kids opens up a gift, and they are so excited about that gift until he sees what his brother got. And then he's upset, right, because he's comparing. This can happen around the dinner table, too, especially with the in-laws, because if you hear your brother-in-law brag about his promotion one more time, you're going to lose it, right? Or you're talking to your sister, and she's talking about how great her family is, and everything in her family is so perfect. And you're like, I'm sorry that we don't have a perfect family. And you start comparing, and it steals our joy. And we've been talking about how, how to actually bear with each other, right? It's from Colossians 3. We bow to God and then we bear with each other. But it's really hard to bear with each other when comparison is all around us. And social media doesn't make this any easier 
does it, right? As you're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook, you see people that, you know, they just got the new house or they just got the new car or their family looks perfect and yours doesn't. In fact, there's actually a term for this. I don't know if you've heard it. Uh, the term is hate-like. You guys know what a hate-like is? It's when, you, it's when you scroll and you get jealous, but they're friends of yours, but you're upset and you don't want to like the picture, but they probably know you're looking at the picture, so you angrily double-tap the screen to hate-like their picture, right? I mean, this is, this is what happens. I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and this guy's a successful businessman. He's you know happily married. He's got two beautiful kids, a guy that you would think is probably above comparison. Everything in his life is going well. But he was talking about even for him, this comparison thing gets to him. He said, I was on LinkedIn the other day and I saw a guy that I graduated with. Only this guy, I mean, he owns his own business. I don't, but he does. And he's actually done so well for himself that he actually gets to retire early. Not only that, but he is such an industry leader, by the way, the same industry that my friend is in. He's such an industry leader that people keep begging him to do a podcast. So now he has his own podcast. And then my friend telling me this, he says, he says, and the worst thing of all, he's younger than me. You know, how dare he be younger than me and be that successful and be doing that good. And as he's telling me this, I start sharing my own story. I go, man, I remember, I remember like scrolling on Facebook and I remember seeing people that I graduated with and they're like living their best life. I mean, they've got the dream job, the job they always wanted. They're traveling out of state and they're doing what they love. And I remember at the time when I'm, when this is happening, I, I always wanted to be a pastor. Um, but at the time I was working at a telemarketing company which, by the way, is worse than it sounds. So I'm working at this telemarketing company, and I'm like scrolling, I'm looking, and some of the friends that I graduated with wanted to be pastors just like me, only they actually got to be pastors, and they just got hired at this church, or now they started this church, or they just graduated from seminary, and I'm getting more and more discontent as I'm comparing my life to theirs. And my friend, as I'm talking about this on the phone, he said a phrase that's so good. He says, man, nobody's safe. Isn't that true of comparison? Nobody's safe. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, how old you are, how successful you are, what state of life you're in. Nobody's safe. Comparison gets all of us. And so the question that I want to go after today is this. How do we bear with each other when we compare with each other? I mean, how do we actually do that when we're going to sit around the table with our in-laws and we have this tendency to compare with them? How do we actually bear with them? How do we help our kids bear with one another? How do we actually live this out at the workplace when we're talking to our coworkers whose vacation looks a lot better than ours? How do we do this with our neighbors that just got the new car that we wish we had? How do we actually bear with each other when we compare with each other? And so to answer this question, I want to zoom into the life of someone who lived a long time ago because, listen, social media doesn't make this any easier, but comparison didn't start with social media. It's been happening for thousands of years, even among the disciples of Jesus. Even the people following around the Messiah dealt with comparison. In fact, they often compared to one another. So I want to zoom in to a guy named Peter because Peter constantly struggled with comparison. And maybe part of the reason why is because he was different than the other disciples. 
Um, a lot of historians think that the disciples were all teenagers, except for Peter, uh, because Peter was married and he was the only one old enough to pay taxes. So the other disciples were teenager and Peter might have been in his early 20s. Um, and I always like to think that Jesus was like the original student pastor and Peter was like his intern. You know, and um, so maybe that's why, because he was just in a different state of life, and so he's comparing with the other disciples. Maybe, um, we know this, it's, uh, he had a brother, Andrew, maybe he had more than one brother or sister, and you know this, if, if, if you've got siblings or if you have multiple kids, you know that like comparison is a rite of passage with brothers and sisters, right? It's like Judah, my oldest, he'll be playing with a toy, and then he looks over and sees Anchor playing with another toy that's not even his, that he doesn't care about, but because Anchor has it, he wants it, right? Comparison happens with brothers and sisters. So maybe that's part of the reason why Peter always compared to the other disciples. But either way, comparison was just a part of his life. In fact, there was this moment with Jesus where Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them towards the end of his earthly ministry, he's telling them that he was getting ready to go to the cross, that he was going to be beaten and tortured and crucified and and then Jesus looks at his disciples and says, and when that happens, all of you are going to fall away. And then Peter speaks up. And I want you to look closely at the words that Peter uses. Peter says, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Did you catch it? See the comparison? Because here's what Peter could have said. Peter could have just said, Jesus, I love you and I'm not going to fall away. But he didn't do that. No, he had to involve the other disciples in his response. And if he were like a really good leader, he might have looked around the room and said, hey, guys, come on. We, Jesus, come on. We all love you. Jesus, none of us are going to fall away on account of you. But that's not what he said. Instead, he looked around and he said, hey, Jesus, yeah, they're all going to fall away, but not me. Uh-uh. Okay, John's going to fall away. Thaddeus, you know he's going to fall away. Thomas, need I say more? They're all going to fall away, but come on, not me. I'm your favorite, Jesus. That's what comparison does. See, comparison turns everything into a competition. It's a zero-sum game. There's a winner and there's a loser, which means when you compare either I'm winning and you're losing or you're winning and I'm losing and I don't want to lose. And so when we compare, we always try to have the upper hand. And that's what Peter tried to do. And so that means we're happy until it looks like someone else is winning. I mean, I'm on vacation with my family in Hilton Head and we're excited until I get a picture from Tuscany. And now that means she's winning and we're losing. And that's what comparison does. It always pits one person against the other and friends turn into competitors. And that's exactly what Peter did with the other disciples. He said, no, Jesus, they're going to fall away. They're going to lose. But Jesus, I'm going to win. Well, Jesus addresses Peter directly. And this is this is what he says. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus is eventually led away to be crucified. And, and then Peter is watching from a distance. He's warming himself by the fire. And a teenage girl comes up to him. And the teenage girl says, um, aren't you like, you know, like one of the like disciples, TBH? It's lit fam or something like that. And um, 
teenage girl comes up to Peter. And this is big, bad Peter. Like, this is old enough to be married, Peter. This is like the intern, Peter. And this teenage girl intimidates him. And he says, I don't know, Jesus. And then someone else comes up to Peter and says, weren't you with Jesus? And he goes, no, not me. And then finally, a third person comes up to Peter and says, no, no, no. I can tell from your accent. You got one of those Southern hick Galilee accents. You got to be one of Jesus's followers. And Peter says, I don't know the man. And then when that happens, the rooster crows and he weeps bitterly at denying Jesus. Well, then Jesus is led away to be crucified. He's He's beaten, he's tortured, he's crucified, and he dies. And normally with a historical figure like this, this is where their biography ends. But not with Jesus. That's not the end of the story. You know this, right? Three days later, Jesus, the one who was crucified, Jesus, the one who died, came back from the dead. He was resurrected. And all the disciples were like, no way. Like, that's impossible. I can't believe that. Literally, Peter was like, that. I, I can't believe that he came back from the dead. He wanted to see for himself. So Peter ran to the tomb where Jesus was buried. But it wasn't just Peter that ran to the tomb. Another disciple also ran to the tomb, a guy named John. And what you need to know about Peter and John is that both of them were constantly comparing and competing with one another. So I want you to see how John actually words this when they run to the tomb. It says, so Peter and the other disciple, which is John, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. <laughs> and if I'm Peter, I'm like... John, why'd you have to include that? Come on, man. But the reason he did that is because that's what comparison does. There's got to be a winner and there's got to be a loser. And I mean, think about this for a moment. Like Peter and John are about to be witness to this incredible historic event. This is like a once in a lifetime, like a once in a generation, a once in a history of the world, the resurrection of the Son of God, and they can't even enjoy it because they're comparing with one another. And so they run to the tomb, find out Jesus is resurrected, but comparison is still in the heart of Peter. And not only that, Peter denied Jesus three times, and so Jesus seeks out Peter to make it right. And they have breakfast on the beach. And after they finished having breakfast, this is what Jesus said. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I love this exchange. And some of you have heard this before, but I want to take just like a, a pause from a conversation about comparison and say, for some of you, maybe you feel like you've run from God some of you have denied him just with the way that you live. And what you may not realize is the same way Jesus was seeking out Peter, Jesus is seeking you out. And that may even be the reason that you're in the room today. Maybe that's why you're watching this right now, because the God of the universe actually loves you and is seeking you out. Not only that, but um, I love what Jesus says. Jesus does not say, now, Peter, do I love you? He, do, he doesn't question that because the love of Jesus was never in question. And so no matter how far you've run, I want you to know the love of God is never in question for you. But your love for Jesus is, and so was Peter's. Because of his actions, Jesus wanted to give Peter a chance to make it right. So he asks him this question, Peter, do you love me? 
but he actually asks it just slightly different because he wants to get at the heart of comparison. This is what Jesus says. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? In other words, Peter, do you love me more than these disciples? Peter, do you love me more than your need to impress them? Peter, do you love me more than their opinion of you? Peter, I know you love to compare, but do you love me more than your need to compare? Well, Peter says, Jesus, yes, I love you. And then Peter denied Jesus three times. So Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And Jesus asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, I love you. And now Peter is reinstated to Jesus. And you've probably heard this story before. And normally a guy like me, this is where the, this is where the sermon would end. But that's not actually the end of the conversation. See, Jesus wasn't done with Peter because comparison was still in the heart of Peter. So Jesus looks at Peter and he does something extraordinary. He tells Peter his life's purpose. I mean, what a gift. If you've ever had that moment where you're like, God, I don't know what to do. God, if you would just lay it out for me, like, should I marry him? Should I marry her? Should I go to this college? Like, God, should I take that job? What am I supposed to do? Well, in this moment, after reinstating Peter, Jesus looks at Peter and says, I'm going to give you your life's mission. In other words, I'm going to tell you what the rest of your days are all about. And so Jesus says, Peter, you're going to lead. And not only are you going to lead my church, but you're going to lay down your life for me, something you said you would do. I'm going to give you a chance to do that. So here's this incredible moment where Jesus lays out Peter's purpose, a moment that all of us would yearn for God, if you would only do that for me. And this is how Peter responds. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What about him? Like, God, I, I, I know that you laid this out for me. That was really kind of you. But what about him? Um, am I going to live longer than him? Is he going to die before me? Like, which one's going to be the better disciple? God, am I going to have a better ministry or is he going to have a better ministry? What about him? So we do this all the time. God, I know you've called me to this job, but what about them? That job looks better. That that income looks better. God, I know that you've called me to be single right now, but how come they get to be married? God, I know you've called us to wait before we have kids, but how come they get kids? God, I know that we can't have kids, but how come they can't? God, what about them? What about him? What about her? And this is what we do when we compare. And now Jesus, as he's wrapping up the conversation, addresses comparison head on. And this is what he says. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, I love this question. What is that to you? What's that to you? You must follow me. Peter, you have a story. You have a life that I want you to live. And Peter, listen, and maybe this is for us today too. You can't live your story while you're focused on theirs. You can't live your story while you're focused on theirs. Because listen, you have a life and you have a story. 
And it's not their story. And it's not supposed to be their story. You have a history that no one else has but you. God has given you gifts and abilities, and he's given you a state of life. You might be young or old. You might be single. You might be an empty nester. You might have a ton of kids. You might have one kids. You have a story. And listen, you can't live your story while you're focused on theirs. So what do we do? Like, How do we actually live this out where we look at our story, not someone else's? See, I think we can learn a lot from Jesus's interaction with, with Peter. I think there's three things that maybe Peter would say to us today if he were here. He would say, first, I want you to enjoy your life. Then I want you to fulfill your purpose and then follow Jesus. And because we're talking about comparison, I want to make it a little bit more explicit. Uh, the first thing is to enjoy your life, not theirs. Fulfill your purpose that God has given you, not theirs. And then finally, follow Jesus. So the first one is enjoy your life. Um, I love the quote that comparison, Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. That's what comparison does, right? It robs us of our joy. It steals our joy. So right now, we're going to talk about how to steal that joy back, okay? And the way to do that is by enjoying your life. Peter and John, they run to the tomb. They see the resurrected Jesus, but they couldn't even enjoy the resurrection because they were comparing. And I think we have a lot of life to live, and sometimes we miss out on these moments we miss out on enjoying what God has given us because we're so busy comparing with what other people have and what we don't have. Enjoy your life, not theirs. We're at Hilton Head with our family. We're, we're, we're on the beach. We're on vacation. And we couldn't even enjoy that because we were comparing it to someone else. And so real practical, the way that I think God leads me to enjoy life is is by thanking him for what he's given us. Saying, God, thank you for what I actually do have. I'm not looking over my shoulder at what someone else has. I'm saying, God, thank you for what you've given me. That's actually what happened at Hilton Head. So the first night, obviously, I'm frustrated and I'm angry because they're in Tuscany sipping wine over a Tuscan sunset and I've got a bar in my back and we're eating at the sandbar, you know? It's like, I can't even enjoy it. And then the, um, the next day, I wake up and I steal a few moments away from the family and I just spend some time with God and I begin to thank him for what we do have. I actually um, brought my... This is my prayer journal from, from that. So this is from June 6th, 2019. And I wrote, God, thank you for this vacation. Um, it's hilarious that we got pulled over. Oh, I forgot to mention that. I got pulled over on the way to vacation. So what a way to start it. Uh, we got pulled over. Everything froze. Oh, um, sorry. Uh, so we had a cooler, and I heard that if you put rock salt with the ice, it keeps things really cold, and it did. It froze everything. We had to throw everything away. So again, great start to the vacation. So we got pulled over. Everything froze. The pullout bed was terrible. I already told you about that one. And it's supposed to rain all week. Don't you want to go on vacation with me? Like, it's just so good. I said, but... But that doesn't change who you are or what you've done for us. 
nor does it change how much you've given us, the life that we have, the family that we have. Man, if you want to steal joy back, begin by just thanking God for what he's given you. We just celebrated Thanksgiving, and on Thanksgiving morning, I woke up uh, before the family got up, and I just started listing out what God's given us, just being grateful. So listening to the song, Great Is Your Faithfulness, and I'm like, God, we have three kids, and they're awesome. I mean, they are loud and crazy and rambunctious, but, but God, you've given us those kids, and you've given us a great marriage and as house we get to live in and I drive a 16 year old car and the radio doesn't work but I got a car God thank you for the car that I have and just started thanking God for what he's given us and I'm telling you when you start to do that you feel joy begin to rise James said every good and perfect gift comes from the father of heavenly lights. Your father has given you gifts. And if you want to begin to enjoy that life and steal that joy back, you begin by just saying, God, thank you. Thanks for what I get to be a part of. Thanks for what I get to have. And the next thing is to fulfill um, your purpose, not theirs. I mean, here's Peter on the beach with Jesus. Can you imagine a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the Savior of the world? He lays out Peter's life's purpose, and Peter looks over his shoulder and says, well, what about him? What about them? I mean, Peter missed out on what God had for him because he was too concerned with what other people had, too concerned with other people's purpose. I mean, back in the day, the way that you would compare with people is by literally looking over your shoulder. The only way you could compare is by looking at the person who was like in your vicinity. Or you would compare by, you know, looking at your neighbors, like your actual neighbors. This is back when people used to talk to their next door neighbor. Anyway, so you would like look at your neighbor and you would look at like the farm they have or the field that they have and say, well, their field is bigger and why is that? And that's what comparison was. Back in the day, we used to compare by looking over our shoulder. Well, nowadays we compare by looking into our screen. And this is how we compare our purpose to someone else's purpose. We begin to look at the life that they have and go, well, how come my life isn't that way? We look at the job they have and go, well, how come my job isn't that way? And we look at their family on Instagram and go, well, why doesn't my family look like that or act like that? Or how come they get to have a family and I don't? And how come they get to have that, that life and, and I don't? And listen, I mean, this, this affects all of us. I remember um, recently, I was just scrolling on Facebook, and I was just looking at other people's lives, and I was, <laughs> I, mean, I was looking at other dads who just seemed to be better dads than me. Like, they're doing stuff with their kids I didn't even think about. And I'm like, well, I, gosh, I'm not really a good dad. I mean, I thought I was, but now that I'm looking at, at the way that they're parenting, I'm not really doing that, or I'm looking at other, like, husbands that are going all out and taking their spouse to these fancy dinners, and I'm like, I mean, I made, I made steak the other night. Is that okay? You know, like, I'm just comparing my parenting and my marriage to their marriage. And listen, this gets all of us, okay? Even, even pastors. So I'm looking at other pastors and I'm like, well, they seem to care more and they're a better communicator and look at what they're doing. And I'm not doing that. And maybe I should. And I'm beginning to question the purpose that God has for me. And so a little over a year ago, I, I, I took kind of a drastic step and um, 
I deleted all social media apps off my phone. And can I tell you a secret? It's wonderful. It is so good. I can tell you don't believe me. Look, first off, I'm still living, okay? Like you can actually live without having Instagram on your phone, believe it or not, without having Facebook. And listen, I still have the accounts. I just don't have the apps on my phone. So if I, if I really want to get on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, then I have to like, you know, do it on my computer. And um, a computer is like a phone, but bigger. And so anyway, so I just like open up the computer and that's, that's how I do it. But man, I'm telling you, it's, it's wonderful because this thing, this thing keeps us from fulfilling our purpose because we're too busy looking at other people's purpose. And this affects dads, it affects it affects husbands, it affects wives, it affects you know, students and empty nesters. I mean, this is like an epidemic for moms because you're constantly, moms, you're constantly looking at other moms and going, well, they're a better mom than I am and what they're doing with their family is better than what I'm doing with my family and the vacation that they're going on is better than the vacation that we took our kids on. And, you know, it's like the lunch that they make for their kids. I mean, have you seen this? It's crazy. It's like there's moms that have these like lunches and it's like all organic and grass fed and there's not like a grain of processed sugar in it. And then they take the cucumbers and they make these star patterns. I don't even know how they do that. And then they write like a limerick every day and it rhymes and they fold it and they put it in and they're like, and here's a stuffed animal. And it's like, that's their lunch. And you've got like a Ziploc bag with Cheez-Its and a granola bar. And you're like, I don't, is my kid going to die? Like, I don't know. And we look and we're like, man, I guess I must not be a, a good mom because I'm not, I'm not packing that lunch for my kid. Like, like they're a better mom than I am. They got a better family than I do. Man, I don't, I don't measure up to that. And I think Jesus might speak to you today and he might say, what is that to you? Or can I give you a modern translation? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? It's like God's like, I've called you to live your purpose, not their purpose. I don't even know if they're living their purpose with a cucumber, okay? Anyways, that's a sermon for another day. It's like, I've called you to live your purpose, not theirs. So if they're a mom of one and you're a mom of three, yeah, it's going to look different. And by the way, they have gifts and abilities that are different than your gifts and abilities. You're not called to live out and fulfill their purpose. You're called to live out and fulfill your purpose. That's who God has called you to be. And I think sometimes we are blind to our own purpose because we're too busy looking at someone else's purpose. And today God's calling you back to say, I want you to fulfill your purpose. Because I've called them to do something. Jesus is talking to, to Peter. Yeah, I've called John to live out his purpose, but his purpose is not your purpose, Peter. I want you to live out your purpose. What is that to you? You must follow me. And that's the third thing. I save the best till last. Follow Jesus. Because your enjoyment of life the way that you fulfill your purpose, like your significance, your satisfaction, your security will always be incomplete without Jesus. It'll always fall just a little short. And you know this. I mean, have you ever gotten something that you really wanted, 
Like maybe it's the thing that they had that you always wish you could have. And then when you got it, it just didn't quite measure up. It's like you always wanted that job and it seems like they always got the job and you always got passed up for the job. And then one day you get the job. And for the first couple of weeks, you were so excited about this job. You were literally living your dream. And then three months in, you find out that your job is a job. <laughs> and it just doesn't quite fulfill like you thought that it would fulfill. It's like you always wanted to get married and then you got married, you know, and, and, and he doesn't fulfill your every need and she doesn't fulfill your every need. And by the way, they're not supposed to some free marriage advice. Okay. Anyways, it's like, he doesn't fulfill the things that you always thought that he would. It doesn't quite measure up or you always wanted kids. And then you got kids. Right, and the sleepless nights, and they're screaming at one another, and you're like, Can we send them back? Like, is there a way? Because it doesn't quite fulfill without Jesus. I call this the uh, December 26th principle. Um, I remember being a kid, and you know, it's like you got that toy you always wanted, and you finally get it for Christmas, and on Christmas Day, you're living it up, and it's amazing. And then you get to December 26th, and you go, Is that it? Is that it? I love what St. Augustine said. He said, our hearts are restless until we get that new job. Our hearts are restless until we finally get married. Our hearts are restless until we have that house. I've always wanted to be a homeowner. Our hearts are restless until we finally have kids. No. He says, our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. There is no one that can give you the fulfillment and the joy and the satisfaction that Jesus can. And that's why even to Peter, Jesus doesn't say, follow your purpose. He says, follow me. Follow me. And so decades after this conversation with, with Jesus on the beach, Peter begins to do that. He begins to enjoy his life thanking God for what he's given him. He begins to fulfill his purpose. In fact, I love it that Peter and John, they were always competing until after this moment. And then when you flip over to the book of Acts, what you find is that Peter and John go from competitors to coworkers, and they start living out their unique calling and purpose together. And Peter's purpose is not John's, just like your purpose is not hers and it's not his. And so Peter's fulfilling his purpose. And most importantly, Peter is following Jesus. And then Peter writes to his church. And maybe today he's writing to us as well. And this is what he says. First Peter 1.8 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. A joy that no job can give you. A joy that no marriage can give you. A joy that no house, no kid can give you. A joy that's only found in Jesus. And some of you hear that and you're like, joy in Jesus. I don't, even, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know what that looks like. And that's literally what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. All through the month of December, we're talking about joy, but not just any joy. We're talking about joy that's found 
in Jesus. Because I'm telling you, comparison tries to steal our joy, but it can't when it's found in Jesus. So what's God calling you to do today? Maybe for some of you, it begins by just enjoying what God has given you. Maybe it's a gratitude journal or just a moment where you take some time away and you say, God, thank you for what you've given me. In fact, I want to invite up our our pastors. They're going to come pray over you. Maybe for you, it's just saying, I'm going to enjoy the life that God's given me. Maybe it's fulfilling your purpose. Maybe for some of you today, God is whispering to you to take a step away from the phone, to back up, to no longer be concerned with what other people are doing online, but instead to live out your purpose. And then lastly, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Because in Jesus, there is an inexpressible and glorious joy. And comparison, comparison can't steal that joy when it's found in the hands of Jesus. Because ultimately, nothing compares to him. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.